0: Well, hello and welcome. The war for talent has never been more fierce. And in an effort to attract and retain the best and brightest, organizations are shifting from creating places where they assume people need to be to creating uh, organizations where people truly want to be. And it's this shift in approach from needs to wants, which is also causing organizations to move from utility to something called employee experience. And so for me, and perhaps for you, and hopefully um, hopefully that's the case, the question becomes, what is employee experience? What does it have to do with technology, and, and does it offer any tangible benefits, something we can latch onto for those organizations that are pursuing it? Welcome to Tech 37, it Is your home for technology, education, and collaboration, all brought to you from Worldwide Technology. And on today's show, we are going to be discussing uh, these very questions, along with experts who serve both as guides and Daily practitioners. You got it? All right. Enough said. That's it for the setup. Let's get into it and meet our experts. All right. We are live. Hello, experts. How are you guys doing? Everybody right, good? You're doing great got to change my screens here to make sure I can eyeball you correctly. Um, all right, here's where we go. I'm going to go a little bit different because we have a special guest. Vanessa is with us from Cummins. We're going to talk all about what she does. She is the practitioner I referred to, but that's actually not to say that uh, that, that Chris and Daniel don't have some practitioner level experience. In fact, um, quite a bit in different areas, but let's go through some introductions. I'm going to actually go to Jennifer, uh, Jennifer, Vanessa last. See, even putting the names on screen doesn't help me past this name block thing I've got. Uh, Chris, let's start with you right above me here. What is it you do for Worldwide Technology?
1: Thanks, Rob. So uh, Chris Mossengren here. I manage the Digital Workspace Advisory Practice. So this is a group of uh, experienced consultants. Uh, We operate primarily uh, in that space between the person, the employee, and the technology that they interface with at their fingertips. So for reference, it's things like collaboration, productivity, end user compute. uh, And we also have a sizable um, uh, contact center uh, practice and experience with contact center technologies as well. Um, Our objectives, there's a lot of them, but the two primary objectives, uh, number one is to help our clients move from vision into strategy. And where they don't have that strategy, we partner with them to help build that strategy. Second, uh, when they have a, a demand for a technology or a deployment or a migration, any sort of end-user affecting or workforce affecting transformation, um, we will uh, engage our delivery team and partner with them, uh, whether it be Productivity cloud, Contact Center, et cetera, uh, and help oversee uh, the, the business engagement side uh, of those uh, deployments, those projects, those large complex programs. Wow. Uh, and to be clear, we aren't necessarily the technology team here. Uh, we are the folks that are focused on the outcome. Uh, so gotcha. making sure that the end users, using Cummins as an example, making sure that the Cummins employees are getting what they expect, what they need, what they want uh, out of uh, that new technology that's being introduced. Okay.
0: Okay. So. And thank. Yeah. And I appreciate that clarification too on the technology side because one would assume, based on my experience working with worldwide technology for years, that I've not, it's rare to meet someone that would say that they're not involved directly in the technology. Obviously, it's extremely crucial to everything that you do. But your your point is, is that you bring a different set of uh, capabilities and uh, addressing a different set of needs that certainly evolve around technology. So your group sounds very consultative uh, an approach and I, I bring that up because I want Daniel to introduce yourself next and, and Daniel, you and Chris work together, but uh, Daniel, you represent one of a number of different resources um, on your team. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, that is correct. So my name's uh, Dan Dollinger. Um, I'm a digital workspace consultant, uh, work with Chris. Uh, my focus uh, on the team is, I guess you could say translating end user and business uh, challenges into technology solutions. So you know I the way I like to put it, digital workspace and what I where I play is it's everything the end user touches, right? So it's end user compute, productivity collaboration and of course uh, really trying to answer the question how does all that tie into the overall vision and strategy of an optimum employee experience so thinking about when we make decisions here um, and technology that ultimately makes its way into the end users over here um, there's a cause and effect so we we dive a lot into that and we think about uh, building out uh, standards and a strategy around that
0: okay perfect well, and Vanessa, thank you for being so patient. Wow, there's something about something about you that trips my tongue. I, I, maybe I'm just uh, <laughs> Um Vanessa, what do you do? Uh, who do you do it for? And uh, and then I'll ask you some other questions. But go ahead, please introduce yourself. Certainly.
3: You know. Certainly. So, my name is Vanessa Cunningham, and I am the Employee Experience Director at Cummins, and I work inside of the corporate IT organization. I've been in the role just. Uh, Not quite two years, so still relatively new uh, in the world of employee experience, but certainly not new at at Cummins. I've been around since 1998 in some capacity uh, and as an employee since 2004. So I've been here, there, and everywhere within the company.
0: Well, let me ask you a question about um, because I knew the next thing I was going to mess up with is change your last name to Cummins instead of Cunningham because it just as soon as it starts rolling (laughs) off my tongue as I feel that's where it's going to go. Your title, uh, I have not run into a title where there's employee experience IT director for employee experience. Can you explain, uh, define in your words, because then we're going to use that as a launching point here in a minute. But define what you mean by employee experience and how does that, why is that part of IT and and it, it, at the high level, obviously, because I know there's a lot more we'll cover in that. It's not a simple question, but sure. please.
3: Sure. So employee experience holistically is made up of three separate focus areas. It's certainly IT. There's an IT or technology component. There's a cultural component, which is has traditionally been called right environment or uh, workplace culture. So we'll just call it culture for the sake of today's conversation. And then there's the aspect of physical space. So your physical work environment, your actual tangible office space or office environment. And so you've got those three primary components, But what we know from a lot of research that's happened over the last 10 or so years is that the most opportunity for improvement or the worst scores, if you will, when we're surveying folks uh, is within that technology space. So folks are relatively happy with their workplace culture. They're relatively satisfied when it comes to their physical work environment or their workspace. But when you start talking to them about their technology tools, they have lots to say. Uh, We have have lots and lots of opportunity to improve uh, and to do a better job at improving that that overall employee experience by uh, manipulating what we're doing in the technology space. So I know the employee experience will grow within Cummins, but we've decided to funnel our initial efforts where the most opportunity lies. So that brought me
0: here to the IT space. Gotcha. And I want to get back to your fuller story, really, for the for the majority of this episode, because there's so many things to build off of, because I hope you don't mind. But I, I in terms of today's discussion, I feel like Cummins and what you represent are really kind of a poster child, not of what you've accomplished, but what you're working towards, uh, just mm-hmm. to acknowledge the fact that I don't think you, you know, well, you probably the type of person you'd never say you're finished um, based yeah. on what I've, what I've learned so far. Yeah. Um, let's, I want to get some definitions down to make sure that we've got the, the, uh, what is it called? The lexicon, right? What is the right way to say that Daniel will correct me on my English here in a, in a minute, but um In fact, let me, since I'm picking on Daniel, let's start with Daniel. I want, could you lay out, uh, personas because I want to establish that as kind of a foundation before we kind of move through the rest of the discussion. But what are personas when it relates to the employee experience, what is meant by that and kind of what are personas typically divided up between how do we need to understand those?
2: Yeah. So, uh, personas have been used, um, for a number of years, they were initially developing like a, more or less a marketing function to try to determine how our end users are going to interact with, let's just say the technology service you have. So you might have someone like a knowledge worker in an office, you might give them a laptop and a set of headphones versus somebody who is a, uh, a field technician, they, they might need a tablet. Right. And they might need a wireless set of headphones. But what we're finding over time, as all these services that Vanessa was referring to, these tech, all the technology areas, is what we're finding over time is they're starting to, um, everybody wants to use personas for everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So what you have is you might have. 20 personas for the end user compute organization. And then collaboration has another 10. Then mobility goes and they bring in another five. Then the security joins the party and soon they have another 150. And so everybody's thinking about how do we try to improve this technology experience and how do we manage the whole thing? But everybody is kind of doing their own thing. And so Uh, We've come up with a model in our group uh, worldwide has called the dynamic persona, Mm -hmm. where we are, it's more about a framework, right? And it allows us to make data driven decisions around um, each employee, not just a generic group. So it's about personalizing technology experiences for all personas, so to speak. It's right sizing resources, not overspending, and of course, understanding like, you know, the true cost of technology decisions. But yeah, I just wanted to put it out there. There's um, the personas, everyone wants to use them, but you know um, it's, it's the way that you use them that can define success.
0: Yeah. I hadn't thought about that because I, the very act of setting, the reason why I wanted this up top is I I felt like personas becomes almost a forcing function, but the whole idea is not to be too liberal. I would think with defining a bunch of different uh, personas, because then it, then everybody gets their own individual. I got the Rob persona. You can have the Dan persona, um, you know, or something like that. But uh, Chris, are you satisfied with his definition there before we move on? Uh, because I also, and if you don't mind, bring in dynamic personas, because this is one we were kind of talking about earlier as being something that um, um, it might might not be, you know, might need some real definition around it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the structure is exactly that. <clears throat> I think it may, maybe just tying in, Um, how Vanessa uh, was talking about uh, the the overall experience. You know, the the personas that are developed, it it is a model. It's a framework that we bring to the table, that Worldwide brings to the table. But it's it's really personalized and it's contingent on culture of the organization that we're working with. It's contingent on um, various outside factors that IT has typically not paid attention to. Uh, I came from the client side just a couple of years ago, having spent 10 years leading an EUC organization. Um, and it was, and, and to Vanessa's point, people aren't happy with end user technology.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, when, when you go back in time, I mean, and Dan mentioned this, when, back in the late 90s, if you got a laptop, you were special. Uh, in, in the late 2010s, when the iPhone came out, there was technology envy. Right, someone got an iPhone, I want one too. And then tablets and so on and so forth. So when when you think about the persona, it's a structure that is is a flexible structure that we bring forward. We consider the culture from the client. We consider the outside um, components that weigh in on this, including COVID, including where people need to work. Including the 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 merger of work and life, some, some people try to call it balance, but it's not balance. You can't balance work and life. It's integration anymore. Yeah. Um, you know all those factors together. We work with the client to make sure that the modeling, the structure, the framework that we bring to the table, then we put it into the right call it trim. Like if you're buying a car, the right trim level that fits their interests, that fits their objectives, that fits their culture, and then we move forward together with with the, with the client. So. It's that—that's really the layer of dynamic um, that that Dan was talking about, going from the legacy or traditional persona, um, fit everybody into a few buckets, to no, it doesn't work that way anymore. There's a lot of competing factors, um, hence dynamic.
0: Yeah. This, this Vanessa, this is where you jump in and say, what's the reality for you guys, and what's been your experience with using personas?
3: Sure. So one of the things I wanted to comment on um, Chris's remark there about having different trim levels or different uh, hardware requirements. We've developed our personas a little bit further and we've started to look at communicating, tailoring the communication experience or the messaging experience by persona. So if I need for everyone who's got a laptop to do a Windows upgrade, for example, for the office-based persona, I can just send out an email with a link and say, upgrade upgrade your windows. The executive persona, I'm probably not going to just shoot them an email and say, hey, update this yourself, right? So I need to handle messaging and instruction and communications for that persona differently than the office persona. And then go a step further, our remote workforce that's tablet-based or uh, like iPad-based, they don't need to get, get that message at all. And the shop employees definitely don't need to see that message. So where in the past, we've tried this one size fits all approach and you just blast out to 65,000 people this message about updating your uh, operating system. Now we take a more strategic approach and tailor that message by persona type so that we're not frustrating and overwhelming folks with a bunch of technology messages that mean nothing to them.
0: I like what you're saying there, too, because what you're calling out for me is the fact that we don't want to over-rotate towards this is just about who gets what kind of devices and what kind of access or something like that. You're talking about operational things that are very important. But just to make sure that we're clear on this, before we get to kind of how you met worldwide technology in this in this pursuit as well, um, per, uh, personas versus titles, is there sometimes some confusion about trying to first align those things?
3: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's some work that's underway. And I think that's work that will last for quite some time. We're a trying, we're attempting to take um, to map, if you will, our titles or our positions within the company to a specific persona type. And we use seven standard personas, I think we'll end up with six by the time this is all polished up, because uh, we have some personas that are so similar that I don't know that we can justify mm. keeping them separate. Um, but At any rate, you can um, you can use those different persona types to really drive um, all sorts of things so not just communication, not just hardware, but when you start mapping them to specific uh, position types. uh, It makes it a lot easier going forward, you may uh, in the past, you may have just communicated by function or communicated by department or by organization and when you start to map all of those to a specific persona you can just really fine tune and personalize those messages to be a lot more meaningful than they might have been in the past
0: tell me a little bit about okay your job is relative your role is relatively new in terms of the the title that you now carry and the responsibilities that you've been moving forward and and when you were still kind of new in that even though you've been with cummins for what over 17 years uh Mm You met Worldwide Technology and Daniel and Chris, maybe, I don't know if you knew them prior, but can you walk through kind of how, how you met them? You were going it was an end user computing strategy that kind of then they helped open your eyes to some other things that needed to be considered.
3: Yep. That's absolutely right. So uh, today at Cummins, we all have a, we all have one of, you know, five or six standard types of, of PCs that we use all of the, the PC using uh, folks. So we were looking at uh, kind of the next generation of that that rollout, that deployment of physical devices. And we really kept getting caught up on what what type of devices we should be offering different folks, should the executives have access to devices that the standard office uh, persona (laughs) doesn't have. Uh, Clearly our engineers need a different level of computing power from somebody that's running just regular finance and spreadsheet kind of stuff. And so um, as part of that end user computing, computing conversation, we met with worldwide technologies. And I think we even came with a loose idea or outline of what our persona set would look like. And we spent a few days with them in a conference room, just really brainstorming uh, about what these personas really should look like, how many truly unique user cases we had. Um, And they helped us not only validate the set of personas that we had, but really think through and develop those kind of day in the life exercises that led us to feel pretty confident with the persona set that we have today. Now, our persona set right now belongs to and is owned by the IT function, but every single day I feel like an evangelist because I'm trying to get the HR function to adopt our persona set, the finance people even at times to adopt our persona set as you're trying to allocate you know, and budget by employee type what their uh, their allowance, so to speak, needs to be. And so I'm really trying to get everybody on the same page so that across the company when you're customizing the experience for an employee, you have a really good foundation of this is the hardware they need. This is the software they need. These are the communication styles they prefer. You know, this is this is how to make that experience the best for that particular type of employee. I hope that makes sense.
0: I think so. Chris, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, even if it didn't make sense, Vanessa, I'd tell you it makes sense. No, I'm kidding. So <laughs> I, I think at the end of the day, uh, additionally, I will say that Beyond beyond just the the, the employee experience component, the engagements where organizations actually go forward with a dynamic persona modeling assessment, there's other value there too. Um, So employee engagement, absolutely. At the end of the day, that's the number one outcome. But there's also um, understanding how employees work. Why is it important to understand how employees work? Well, IT, think about all the, all the dynamics within IT. Number one, they got to have the right tools and solutions and services out there for the right type of person, right? Not the conflicting things. And employees want with their fingertips what they need to use. Um, far too often there's conflicting technologies. Employees don't have a standard shared way to communicate. It creates confusion. And from an IT procurement perspective, there's licensing out there all over the place that's being unused. So knowing what end users need to have, want to have, uh, not only does that streamline licensing procurement costs, it also helps define what the IT operating model should be as well, a support structure. So should we support, you know, apply more time and money and resource and labor to this kind of service or that kind of service? Also, it helps IT understand trends. But I think the, the, the biggest thing, and I've, I've done some of this persona modeling in, in, in a prior life. For, for me, um, the biggest value that I've seen, and I, I'm in Vanessa when she said she's consist- consistently advocating here, it is really that credibility that IT establishes with the line of business leaders. Far too often, IT makes decisions without understanding what the employees or what the business needs. And they make it in a, in a silo, generally speaking. And then the business gets frustrated. It's like, guys, we've been telling you this for years. We need something different. We need to make a change. We need to make improvements. So when we come out in in any organization, we come out and make uh, and and execute on a dynamic persona modeling uh, assessment, that's the number one kind of um, even better if that locks in. And they say, when, when we did it with Vanessa, it adds credibility to the IT organization because we are now listening loud and clear to what the users, what the business needs uh, and wants.
0: It sounds like there's an importance of having a framework for because it sounds very simple and overly trite to say you need to ask employees what they want. And I but I would say probably most employees don't know what they want uh, in most situations in the sense that you've got to give them a framework in which to answer that question and/or to understand their roles, so that you can be an enabler. Since yeah, Vanessa, you're kind of nodding your head there. It, 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 am I am I saying anything correct there, or how can you fix it for me?
3: <laughs> no, no. I think I think the critical the critical thing there is to listen to your employees. Um, it's not it's not easy work to do. It's time consuming work. Um, and when I suggest listening to your employees, I'm not I'm not I don't advocate for sending out a survey. That's not really truly listening to your employees, that's asking your employees to spend a couple of minutes ticking boxes, Mm -hmm. actually listen to your employees, sit in front of them, sit next to them, get on a zoom call and allow them an hour to just vent at you trust me. Anyone given an invitation to come and vent about IT will gladly do so. <laughs> they have, generally speaking, lots and lots to say about what IT could do better or what IT does that is frustrating or annoying. And so what you're listening for, obviously, you need to be empathetic and try to understand what it is. Even if you have no idea what it is that they do as their day job, you're listening for anything that indicates there is friction or a pain point with them where they intersect with their technology. And it's, it might be something just as simple as every time I open up my email, all of my conversations are stacked and it drives me crazy. I can't find what I'm looking for. That's a simple fix that we can walk them through. But until you sit down and listen to the fact that you've got you know 10% of your employees who don't understand that, you're never going to be able to target a communication to them to fix it. So there is a very, very important aspect of just listening at all times to what it is that your employees have to say about their experience.
0: Daniel, do you agree?
2: Yeah, I can't agree more. It's um, it's imperative. And in, in the key 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 word here today is is listening, right? And mm-hmm. and trying to empathize and understand. Um, it's it's that uh you know it's that service mentality
0: well what would you say though is the benefit to doing so in the sense that if i'm watching this and i feel like it just sounds maybe so far and i'm just going to make this up but overly fluffy um and this is you know what are the business benefits of doing this well daniel, no, i, I can... direct that to you but vanessa way and um go ahead daniel and then vanessa um, sorry yeah
2: go ahead, well yeah. um I'll. I'll. How about this? I'll speak to um, one or two, maybe a key IT benefit, and then Vanessa, maybe some business mm-hmm. stuff. But um, you know, th- the one thing that comes to mind is um, thinking about shadow IT. Everyone likes to talk about it, but you know, a core reason shadow uh, shadow IT pops up and rears its head is because the uh, technology is not actually meeting the needs of that of those end users or that business group, and so they go and find their own tool increase your cost. Um, it's out of band data loss. There's so many different things there. Right. So that that's, I I think that's one of the, there's a a number of different examples, but
0: Vanessa, what were you going to say?
3: So I think when you, um, I think when you leverage employee experience and really listen to your employees, you are going to gain access to an entire population of your employees that you have, been missing out on in the past so a shop a shop based worker for example whether it's a production line shop employee or a you know retail servicing engines kind of employee if you haven't thought through and provided them with the right technology tool whether that's a piece of software that they have on their personally owned mobile device, or you've, you know, put digital signage in their locations so that they can keep up to speed. If you're not tailoring communications to them that are easily accessible for them, you've completely left them in the dark about company news about mm-hmm. important initiatives and so it doesn't speak a lot to how much we value our employees if we ignore them and we don't talk to them and we all know that there's tremendous value in having engaged employees and how on earth can you engage an employee if you don't ever communicate with them so establishing these personas and really thinking through how you reach each one of those persona types is going to give you access that you've never had before to a population of your employees that would probably feel a lot better about their experience and stay a lot longer with your company um, than they they might otherwise do. So there's just a tremendous value in terms of you started out the call with retaining the best and the, the brightest. Uh, you're gonna be able to do that a lot more effectively if you're connecting and engaging your employees.
0: Yeah, no, we've definitely seen that play out. I- This may be a little bit of a hot button, based on what I understand, because we talked a little bit about this before, and you kind of hinted at it with your survey opinion, uh, Vanessa. But how do we measure change, and what is the right way or right way to? Because and the reason why I bring it up also is I want to set expectations correctly for the right way to look at this. Um, Can you comment on measuring success in this area?
3: Yeah. So this one is, uh, as you said, it's a little bit of a hot button. I have a lot of uh, mixed emotions around trying to measure employee experience. You're in a safe
0: place. Just go ahead and release. Okay. Okay.
3: (laughs) It's only us, right? um, I think that, uh, the, the overarching big picture metric of effective employee experience is retention. If you are, uh, giving your employees a good experience and they feel engaged and valued as employees, they're going to stay with the company longer and that's really what we want right we want you to come we want you to be engaged we want you to be productive and we want you to stick around for as long as mm-hmm. you can uh, so that at a high level is what you can measure there is a uh there's this drive and i understand some folks are just very data driven but there is this drive to measure a bunch of sub components of that so yeah. we have uh, for example we have these regular calls that we uh, we call them water cooler Chats they're just not work related let's all get together and socialize have a social chat for you know, an hour once every five or six weeks. These calls are sometimes attended by 40 employees They're sometimes attended by five employees, but we get on the phone and we chat anyway I host the call the conversation goes all which all all, all different directions. Now I could start measuring that call I could measure attendance I could measure how many different employees spoke. I could measure how many different organizations were represented in those who spoke and make the assumption that if they join the call and they spoke, they are engaged employees. But at the end of the day, that is not a meaningful metric. And so I'm really reluctant. I'm really, really reluctant to spend a lot of time measuring employee experience initiatives just because I think that's effort and time spent that yeah. could be redirected on listening to your employees, engaging with your employees trying to think of better solutions for each persona type. And so I just, I don't see a ton of value added to trying to measure and add tick marks for different aspects of employee experience.
0: Chris, you, you have a body language wanting to comment. Yeah, no. So,
1: so totally agree with Vanessa. This is not a, this is there isn't a recipe um, for this right now, but what, what I will, what I will say um, is, when, when, when you implement or execute a dynamic persona modeling engagement ahead of an end user or a workforce transformation project or program, what you what you can and what you will, should and can measure is the adoption, the enablement of services. So if you don't know what your employees need mm-hmm. and you deploy uh, Cisco WebEx, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, across the enterprise, a big UC uh, deployment, if you're not sure what they need, then the likelihood of your success getting 10,000 people on board and using the new services that you've paid a lot of money for is low. If you know what the employees need and you're partnering with them, how to communicate most effectively, to Vanessa's point, how to communicate with them, how to sequence them for migrations, you know, batch the right people together so those, VIN, those communication Ven's they're, they're operating cohesively through the migration, then you can measure the adoption, who needs to be trained? And, and that's a, it's an important point is adoption as well. Training, I, I used to just say, hey, forget it. Everybody's going to pick it up, right? It's technology. How hard can it be? <laughs> um, I used to be that guy. Um, but after that. being burned on several occasions years ago, it's been many years since I've been burned, Rob. Um, but years ago when I was burned, it was it was clear that understanding your audience is absolutely imperative for the success of any sort of transformational um, engagement, especially when it comes to training and the adoption and the effective use of that technology, to Vanessa's point, make them happier, work smarter, work faster. Yeah.
0: And Vanessa, if I'm am I remembering correctly that did you used to work in? I hope I'm getting this question right because I talked so much. Merge? Did you work in mergers and and when new companies would come in or acquisitions and you have a hunt a bunch of employees with a completely different culture and set of tools and everything, and then you're we're largely responsible for making that a better experience. Does that play into what you're doing here? Seems like that's a good yeah, good lesson, sir.
3: It did. It certainly did. So um, I worked on uh, the integration side of mergers and acquisitions. So once we have a, a new company, a new set of employees that need to be acclimated to to Cummins policies and hardware and procedures and all the things that come along with being part of a new company, um, you have to bring them in. And again, I would have told you, long before I knew what employee experience was, go visit them, sit down with them, and listen to them. Understand what's frustrating, understand what's scary, understand what they were doing before we came along that was working really well, because you Mm -hmm. may learn something, right, from these newly acquired uh, employees. So uh, I think that work helped kind of position me to step into an employee experience role. That was the role that I had directly before, before. this one. Um, and then just to go back before that I was working on collaborative workspace. So the physical space component of that employee experience, uh, that employee experience realm so like again, facilities, did,
0: not necessarily it related, but facilities,
3: correct. Correct. Okay. On the facility side of implementing collaborative workspace. So no idea what employee experience was, but once again, I spent several years sitting with employees, understanding what they needed, what kind of monitors do they need? What kind of desk do they need? What kind of chair do they need? And so it all kind of goes back to the foundation of listening and understanding the needs of your different employee types. And that's why personas feel so relevant to me because I can think back to nearly every position I've held at Cummins. And had I known about personas and employee experience, I think I could have done a much better job at each one of those. Yeah. different
0: functions. Yeah. It, it seems like every time I look back, I go, wow, the younger me was an idiot, but that's a different story. So uh, <laughs> we're, we've only, we've got less than 10 minutes to, to wrap things up here. And one thing I don't want to overlook is the, the fact is we've, we're, we're now one year, both one year into what's been a pandemic, my first pandemic. I think it's probably been y'all's first as well. I'm not positive, but um nothing has impacted so many different things. And it, it I thought it was just interesting because well, you tell us, you met worldwide and we're kind of beginning some of this journey right before the pandemic, correct?
3: That is correct. I was actually in one of those uh, brainstorming sessions. I think we were there for two or three days and I got a tap on the shoulder that said, hey, we need you in a conference room next door. And that's when I heard that we're calling our all of our employees home, right? We're, we're, we're clearing out the offices. Well, and so yeah. um, <laughs> I was a few minutes a few minutes, goodness, a few months into employee experience, really trying to wrap my mind around just the framework of employee experience. And I had started putting together a roadmap for what the next, you know, two to three years is going to look like. And literally in a period of three or four months, we had to accomplish a year's worth of stuff to get employees to a spot where they could work and collaborate and be productive and be effective in their new office environment which was their home and so it just expedited that process in a way that i don't think anyone dreamed was possible but with a really awesome team and a bunch of collaboration between organizations we got it done but we keep going back to the foundation work that we did on these personas and it's just been super super valuable throughout the whole process
0: well it's it's a good reminder too that you know it won't be a pandemic Hopefully, uh, but there's always something impacting the business where it seems like as soon as you lay down some plans, like, these are our personas and this is how we're going to execute, and then things change in the business. There's a different acquisition, there's a different change in the market, there's a move uh, to, away from fossil fuels, maybe or, you know that's big change. But um, you know different things. I know you guys deal with constantly being uh, so tightly with energy uh, and energy production and such. But um, Daniel, I. It, it feels like it's important to develop both a structure, but a structure that is flexible and um, and 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 really unique, perhaps to the culture that exists and the culture where it's trying to go. Perhaps how how can worldwide technology help with pulling this kind of thing off for anybody that that wants to start running down this path, like Cummins has been doing.
2: Well, it, it first starts, I I would say, with um, really understanding that there's there's a challenge and. Understanding that uh, the way that someone else has dealt with it isn't there is some sort of uniqueness to to your own organization, and it's really about listening and looking at looking inward and trying to understand that. But it's it's also about um, bringing the right stakeholders to the table, right? So thinking about who are the other core leaders, the the core people involved, they're going to be able to help drive this forward. Who who have um have some um decision-making capability in this and um you know uh, and it's also you know thinking back to to what Vanessa had brought up around um how she engaged us you know we have um we have in envisioning sort of um we, we will sit down with you guys with with organizations to help walk them through thinking about planning thinking about a uh a way to, I guess we we call it the dynamic persona assessment, but thinking about what does your strategy need to look like? Take into consideration. Are we covering all our bases? You know, even thinking about right now where not every organization is sure about what's going to be happening as things are opening up. Um, I was talking to a technology leader uh, just last week and HR is asking him, who needs to go back to the office? Who's allowed to stay remote? And he's like, well, that's not my job, right? And so we kicked it back to there. So there's this hot potato going back and <laughs> forth. But to be honest <laughs> with you, um, everybody, everybody has to make that decision. It's not one, yeah. it's it's working across groups. And, and we can help expedite that. We can help um, bring together, the right groups and walk through those and and build out those personas around trying to understand that. And the the key output is really driving towards that strategy, right, to to determine um, the next steps. Perfect.
1: Um, Hey, Rob, Rob, if you don't mind, let me me jump in as well on that one. So during the persona engagement, um, there are many multiple checkpoints with the line of business leadership, with the IT champions and sponsorship to ensure that the way that we are evolving down the persona path within that kind of at, at times boutique culture of that specific yeah. client, that it fits and it feels right. Yeah. And recall, this isn't just you know don't call us to say we need a persona assessment. There's there's always a driver behind that. Yeah. Wow. Vanessa mentioned you okay. mentioned it, Vanessa Vanessa mentioned it. Um, acquisitions. If I'm going to purchase another company, should I just assume that the other company that I'm purchasing has the same technologies and their users they are using the same technologies and, the, and they're just like us? No, that's a false assumption. Uh, if I'm about to exp- uh, launch a big transformation right? O365 or a big UC uh, program across the entire organization, do, sh- should I just assume that I understand as IT what, how the users communicate? do they have headsets do they have the right headsets where are they are they in the office yet are they back home and then one last one um really around um that 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 licensing component so again there are cost savings opportunities to right size the amount of technology for the right people uh, as as the, these uh, personas are, are evolved and at the end of the day the output from a persona from a dpm or a dynamic persona modeling engagement That provides that organization with the strategy to go forward, continue down the path that they're going, whether it's a technology deployment, whether it's training, whether it's employee experience targets, and then they're doing so smartly and they're doing so in partnership with the business. That's the critical part.
0: Gotcha. Well, it's time to wrap up, but Vanessa, I just want to give you the last word. If you want to say that Chris or Daniel got anything wrong there. This is your chance that uh, final uh, final comment about what we should remember going away, perhaps.
3: So uh, I don't think you got anything wrong. I certainly appreciate all the work that you all did to help us get our foundation in place. Um, And my guess my parting words, if you haven't taken the time to sit down and really look at your workforce to understand what your persona set looks like start doing it right away. It's it's going to be beneficial in IT. It's going to be beneficial in lots of other organizations uh, throughout your company. And it's going to make the employees feel like they're getting a truly customized experience from you. And uh, that will go a really long way with making your employees feel like you care about their experience.
0: That's perfect. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us and and share your experiences. Daniel and Chris, of course, as well, keep up the good work. And I just want to comment, you know, it strikes me that that um uh, this is the page I've got up on the screen now where most people are probably watching the show from as it streams, but wwt.com is exactly where you go to both engage these resources, and it's but it's not just a website, it's literally a communication platform yeah, that continues to grow and provide value, whether it be deep technical access to the Advanced Technology Center or engaging and understanding a bit more about what these teams are doing and the and the programs. Links to everything that we've been talking about can be found at the bottom of this page here where you went to register for the show. And if you're watching the replay, again just go back to WWT.com, join, update your profile and interact, make some connections. I've been doing this and it's been valuable because I know that I can always call on someone that's an expert expert in a certain area that I need some help with. And has always been there for me as well. And um anyway, I want to thank everybody for watching today's show. We wish you luck on the journey ahead. Hope we get a chance to help you do some of that and uh, make sure we avoid some missteps. But um, thank you so much for watching Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd. We'll see you next time.